Good morning. This is kind of uh, the way our culture does its best shot at trying to make the connection between love, God, and forgiveness. He kind of had all three words in there, so got pretty close, huh? <laughs> so, but that is what we're going to be talking about. We've been unpacking the love is, you know, love is patient, love is kind that you find in 1 Corinthians 13 over the last few weeks, and uh, it really is important to really understand what the word love means according to Scripture. You know, we, we grew up in this culture, and one of the things that when you grow up in a culture is you have to learn how to take in what's good and reject what's bad, and the Scripture really helps us do that. And we really get our definition of love from a lot of cultural things, from movies, from childhood experiences, from songs, from cards we buy at the store. But where we really need to get it is from the Bible. And God is true. God is, God's word is good. It's deep. And we've talked about this a lot. It's a meaningful for today. And it's real. It's not just true. It's real. And so we're really going to talk about how forgiveness can really play a role in our lives and how that ties in with love. So, so far we've learned that love really matters to God. And how love should be the fuel for everything we do. We've also looked at um, love celebrates people. It doesn't envy them. It's not proud. It's humble. Um, And it also isn't rude. It doesn't take, it adds value to people. It doesn't take value away. So um, let's continue with the verse. So we're in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. And this is the end part of that verse. It's love keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Uh, Can you remember recently, maybe the last time someone wronged you? You know, maybe they lied to you. Maybe they said they were going to do something, made a commitment, and they didn't follow through. Maybe they were rude. You know, if you're like me, you can probably remember that exact moment and all the emotions tied to that and how you felt. And in a way, the wrongdoing is kind of could be described as kind of like an engine of a train. And all the emotions that follow are like the boxcars. They're going to go where the train goes. They're going to stop when the train engine stops, right? So what are some of the major emotions tied to being wrong? This is important to understand before we get into forgiveness. Because we need to understand where we're at when we need to offer and give forgiveness. So first of all, we have hurt and disappointment are the two major emotions tied to forgiveness. Hurt is that sense of someone maybe said something that cut too deep, hurt you physically. Disappointment is when someone has basically said they're going to do something and didn't follow through. And with hurt and disappointment happen to us, there's a whole other series of emotions. And these secondary emotions, hurt and disappointment being primary to the wrongdoing, but these secondary emotions are like chains that begin to wrap around us, links in a chain that begin to wrap around us and squelch out our freedom. Some of those are sadness. Sadness is something that can depress us, demotivate us. It can really kind of stop us in our tracks and we can stall out in life. Another one is anger. You know, anger says, how dare they do that to me? And anger can lend its way to rage over time. And rage says, I will make them pay for what they did to me. I will never let them do that again. So, 
If we don't deal with these things, it's kind of like the chains just continue to grow and grow, the chinks of chain, and they wrap around us, and they kill our freedom. So let's look at our three main responses that we all have to when someone has wronged us, okay? And first response is you can refuse to forgive. You literally can just refuse to forgive. You can Add that wrong to the list of many wrongs that that person has done to you. You can take it out. You know, the verse says don't keep any record of wrong. That word record literally um, it translates into the word inventory. And inventory is more than just a list. Inventory is like you're, you know, when you have like a big stock room full of inventory that you're selling. You're keeping account of that. Believe me, that is something that you know what's in there. Companies create a lot of, uh, spend a lot of money on creating software to keep track of inventory because it's important. You need to know exactly when something leaves and something new comes in and the value of everything. So a record isn't just a list. It's an inventory. And so when we refuse to, when we refuse to forgive, we're taking inventory of that. And we're pulling out that inventory every time we're wronged. And we're adding that new wrong to that. And we're holding that against that. And we make the person pay. And, but yet... The chains keep growing around us of those emotions. Now, the next um, option you have is you can pretend to forgive. And pretend to forgive isn't necessarily like I have the intention of pretending to forgive. Like, all right, I'll tell them I forgive them, but really I'm not. Sometimes it's, it's, it's on accident. And I personally, when I was preparing for this message, I was thinking, I think I've fallen into this category sometimes where I've pretended to forgive. And essentially what it is, is, you, you know, you, you give easy, quick forgiveness. Oh, yeah, I forgive you. You know, a friend, especially with spouses, a spouse asks for, for, for forgiveness. Sure, I forgive you. And then the next time they do it, the big list comes out. You know, and you may not bring it out all the time. It's not something you rehearse all the time as if you're refusing to forgive. But when that wrong happens, it comes out again, okay? And so, again, those chains continue to grow of those emotions. You're not free to enjoy life, enjoy relationships the way God intended. The third option is to really choose to forgive the person. And this is where you really let go. Let it go. And we're not talking about ice powers. Talking about letting the hurt go. Those emotions will rise again, and we need to go to God for help. And <laughs> wouldn't that be nice if I just left the message at that? All right, good luck. Go do that. It's a lot easier said than done, all right? When we're hurt, it's very real in our lives, and all of us have been hurt. We all struggle with this. Forgiveness is a part. It's a fact of life. You're going to have to get your arms around forgiveness. You're going to have to understand it. You're going to have to practically live this out. You can keep it. I'm kind of jumping around. So. Um, so there really is a connection between love and forgiveness and living it out, okay? So if you really choose to forgive someone, you can let it go. You can move on with your life, and you can begin to relate with them in that way. On the other hand, if you refuse to forgive and you, or you pretend to forgive, those memories replay over and over and over again and they begin to further wrap themselves around you like a boa constrictor. And over time, it actually distorts your memory of what even really happened. 
Um, researchers show that if you have people who encountered a, a similar event and you get them together later, they're all going to kind of have a different story of what happened. And this is interesting because I really believe I have a really good memory. Like, I really believe that I can take a, a second-by-second account of what's happened to me. But one of the things I learned recently in one of my grad school classes is that memory is a summary. It's an amalgam, if that's a word. I like to make up words sometimes. So. Um, but it's a summary of what of, of, of an event or events we've experienced. So, for example, yesterday I went fishing all day. And I fished in like four different bodies of water, you know. And if I really want to recount my memory of fishing, I'm probably getting some of the experiences mixed up with different bodies of water, and it's just kind of a summary. It's not a play-by-play emotional response. And what happens is, is those emotions that are tied to unforgiveness begin to distort my memory of what can happen when someone wrongs me. And pretty soon we're making them pay for something they maybe didn't even do. Or we're holding them to a position of wrongdoing that maybe they didn't even provide. So we've got to be careful of that. And then bitterness starts to set in. Bitterness is an ugly word. Bitterness is a deep thing that takes root in our life and begins to eat away of us. And bitterness replays the memories of the wrong, and it resurfaces painful emotions. All right? You end up reliving the pain over and over again. And so since this is the case, this is how life works, okay? When we're wronged and we don't forgive, bitterness ends up coming in. God has commanded us to take the next step, to take the first step towards freedom. He's commanded it in his word, and this is what he says. He says in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So the things that, are, that come from bitterness, that flow from it, are anger, wrath, clamor, slander, and malice. We are told to put bitterness away from us. And this is really a major step in freedom. We put it away by deciding to forgive. There really is freedom in the decision to forgive. Uh, forgiveness is really a decision that needs to be made. And we'll talk about that more and how that works. Um, and what you find, and research backs this up, is that forgiveness is more beneficial to the one who forgives than the one who's being forgiven. It really is for our good. God really desires freedom for us. Sometimes we get that in this life, and sometimes it's in heaven. But he desires to provide a way for freedom and good relationships. And so when we're wronged, which we're going to be wronged by one another, we need to, you know, the Bible says bear with one another, work towards reconciliation, clear up relationships. Big component of that is forgiving, is forgiving and true forgiveness. So it's worth the effort. It's really worth the effort, and it really brings a major benefit, which is freedom. Don't you just want to lay in bed at night when you're going to sleep and you're recounting your day and your life to be clean, to be free, to not be constrained by the chains of emotional turmoil that comes with bad relationships? And I don't care if you're male or female or your personality type, you all have experienced that. You cannot pretend it away. 
it affects us. So when I can forgive and feel no bitterness towards others, I am free to basically tear up that record of wrong, to get rid of the inventory, to shut the system of inventory down, and to move on with life. And what I'm doing is I'm actually allowing God to be judge. See, there is, there is two different kinds of judging that's going on within the church that God's kind of provided an understanding of. And one of those is, is we are called to judge each other within the body, but that's a different meaning of the word. And we're, this isn't a sermon on that, and so I'm going to butcher it, but basically that's more of holding an account of one another, calling what's right right, calling what's wrong wrong. That's different. That's not what we're talking about here. So please don't hear that I'm saying you shouldn't judge those things of one another. It's very different. And it's for the bettering of one another. It's a whole, I'm probably adding more questions than I'm answering by this, so let's just move on. But if you have a problem with that, you can talk to me after the service, and I'll hopefully help clear that up. But what we're talking about here is the judge, God is the judge of who pays for what they've done. And how they pay for it. God is just. And wrongdoings are answered for somehow, whether that's in Christ or whether it's through experiences. And that again is a whole other message. But we want to let God be the judge. And when we tear up wrongdoings and we forgive, we put our play, ourselves in a place where He is the judge. And that takes an incredible amount of faith, doesn't it? And really, the only way we can do that is if we truly understand the grace of Jesus Christ and the grace of God towards us and how we've been forgiven. And so if you're new to the faith or you're exploring Christianity, you're trying to understand what the Bible says and means and how it applies to real life, you're trying to understand the depths of Scripture, this is an area where you really need to start. You need to really understand God's grace and what you have been forgiven from. If you can really understand that, if that could become real, not true, you know, there's the, at OCC we kind of talk about the, the difference between true versus real. Josh has talked about it, many differences. You know, I know that people go to space in the space shuttle. I've read about it. I've seen enough evidence that that's true. Boy, it's not real to me. I've never been to space. It's true to me what pictures look like from space, but it's not real to me. I've not been there. So we need to experience things for them to become real sometimes. Or at least we need to have a firm grip on truth and believe it for it to become real. So, with that being said... It needs to be real to you, to God's grace, or else you will not be able to forgive. And God wants what's good for us. And I want to I be free. I want to learn how to forgive. So if I develop a habit of forgiving, I am free from the past to enjoy my relationships in the here and now. As long as I'm bitter, I'm always looking to the back, right? It's kind of like walking through the future backwards, you know, and I can fall off the stage. 
when you're looking to the past and you're re- revisiting all that pain and hurt, you're basically walking into the future backwards, looking to the past. And you're not able to deal with the here and now. And God wants us to have freedom to deal with the here and now and enjoy relationships and be free from those emotions. Um, these create distortions in our relationships, and it's not a high-definition picture of our real relationships. So to really love in high definition, which, you know, that's why we chose that catchphrase, you know, love and HD is because it makes sense to our culture. We understand standard definition, as John said last week, and we understand high definition. And we want to see relationships and understand love in high definition, see the clarity of that and how to walk through life with people. And it's important, isn't it? It's important to understand how to walk through life with people. It's important to God. It's actually our relationships with each other are more important to God than our very own worship to Him. So He holds it of high value. So, forgiveness is a choice um, to be free from the chains of bitterness. So let's move here. So, Verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 4, 32. Um, this is a command. He's basically saying, Be kind, be tender-hearted, be forgiving. Unless you understand forgiveness, unless you really understand how forgiveness works, this verse, this command is going to seem really odd to you. Okay, It's going to seem almost impossible. So let's talk about different components. There's actually two major components to forgiveness, okay? The first one, it's a decisional component. All right? I decide to forgive this person for the wrong they've done to me. I can do this when I fully realize all that I've been forgiven in Christ. Corey Ten Boom, she's a woman from history, and we'll learn a little bit more about her later. But... Um, her family, her dad and her family, they really helped rescue a lot of people during the Nazi Holocaust. And um, she wrote a book called The Hiding Place. And they were eventually um, ratted out and discovered in 1944. And they were sent to a prison, um, Shevinigan Prison. And at that prison where they were poorly treated, their dad actually, her dad actually died. And then they released some of the family members, but Corey and her sister Betsy then were transferred to Ravensbrück concentration camp. And at this concentration camp, her sister was just completely neglected. And, well, you can read the book to know the whole story, but she died. She died. And they suffered a great trauma from this arrest and these imprisonments and these deaths. And she had a lot of wrong torture to forgive. So here's a quote from her. This is directly from her, and this is a woman who's been in the midst of hurt and pain. And she says, forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. The will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. So this really is a, forgiveness has this decisional component to it, okay? So let's switch gears, and the second component is the emotional component. And the reason this is important is because I don't care who you are, like, well, we'll get into this more later, but you just can't ignore the emotional component of life. I don't care how much of a grip you have on your emotions, you just can't ignore it. It's not helpful. 
You need, you need to face it. So there's an emotional component. And basically what it is is this. It's essentially this. I will wrestle with my feelings until I can let the hurt in my heart go. It's this idea that we're going to be wrestling with our emotions from here on until the day we die. Until we can let the hurt go. So even though we might made a decision to forgive, we recognize that the emotions may still be there and we're going to have to wrestle with those. Okay? Um, and we're really going to have to work through this process of forgiveness. So when the video starts playing over and over in our head of the memories, we're going to have to stop those. And we'll talk about this. We'll talk about how you actually do this. I'm not just going to tell you to do that and send you on your way because that wouldn't be fair. But for now, let's walk through how to choose decisional forgiveness. And this is really a how-to guide. And I really want you guys to focus this outline today. Um, you can take this and really apply this as a kind of a rough outline. And, and I'm not going to oversell this message more than it needs to be oversold. Like, um, you know, this is a 25-minute or maybe 45 for me. Okay? <laughs> Sorry. But a 25-minute message, and I'm not going to answer all your questions, and I'm not going to fully be able to come and walk alongside you and move and help you do this. You're going to need help. But this is a start, okay? So this outline is a start for you to take this and begin to work through forgiveness in this way. So, how to choose decisional forgiveness. We have our decisional and emotional component to forgiveness. So how to choose decisional. First, you need to identify the wrong done. You have to identify it. You can't just pretend it didn't exist. You can't just be like, alright, I'm just going to forgive everybody from here to eternity. You know, I mean, you can make a choice that you're willing to do that. But when a wrong happens, you actually have to identify it. See, if you pretend... That things didn't happen, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like, you know those minefields? I don't know. I don't even know if they really exist. But they're in movies a lot, you know. And people are walking through and they're like, oh, I stepped on the mine. You know, and they have to like slip a piece of paper under there and something. And um, <laughs> disarm the mine so they don't blow up. So it's kind of like building your house in the middle of a minefield and just pretending like, well, they're not everywhere. So we'll just hope nothing will happen. You know, Eventually someone's going to get blown up, right? Someone's going to step on one. Well, unless you're really good at deactivating it, maybe you'll save a little bit. You, know, you need, like, Chuck Norris for that or something. Is he still alive? <laughs> um, anyway, let's get back. <laughs> so how to choose. So identify the wrong. The next step is then you forgive them for the wrong. You essentially just let it go. That's what forgiveness means. It means to just burn the record of wrongs. You just forgive them. It's a decision. I decide to forgive you. Now remember, we're talking about decisional, not emotional here, okay? So don't, don't muddy the waters with that. Next is you refuse to use it against them ever again. I can decide to forgive before I emotionally want to forgive. We kind of muddy the water sometimes by thinking that we have to be emotionally ready to forgive before we do it. And that's not always the case. Matter of fact, a lot of times the emotions won't follow until you've made a decision to forgive. You know, uh, have any of you ever worked out, you know, like had like a 30-day workout plan that you've committed to, you know? 
Do you always emotionally want to work out? Or do you decide? You commit, and then you do it. Now, there is an emotional component. We'll talk about that. I'm not going to ignore that. That's a reality that exists, and God made us that way or allows us to be that way, and we're not going to ignore it. But this decisional way is this. And these painful memories are very hard to ignore, this emotional component. They really are hard. So let's move into that. Um, oh, sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Forgive me. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. I'm going to start over. Just having a hard time following my notes. Um, there's all these colors, you know, and sometimes I forget which color is which. And, um, but it's good. So um, let's talk about emotional component of forgiveness now. Um, this is the first step. How to work towards emotional forgiveness. You refuse to replay the memories and redirect the wrong thoughts and emotions. Now that sounds more like it's a decisional, but let me explain how this works, okay? So you have the mountains, okay? And it rains and snows on the mountain, all right? And as water accumulates and begins to melt or whatever and starts to run down the mountains, because of the molecular structure of water and how it's attracted, the molecules are attracted to one another, it starts to form rivulets. Those rivulets cut little etches in the ground, and they form streams, and those streams come together and form bigger streams and rivers. And before you know it, you got the Mississippi River running to the Gulf of Mexico or wherever it goes. We'll say the Colorado River running to the Gulf of Mexico, because I know that goes there. No, not to the, to the Baja, wherever that is. <laughs> to Rocky Point. And so... Our emotions can cut rivulets in our life like the rain and the water cuts into the earth. Now, how do you ignore a river? You can't. Water is a powerful force. When it rains, it is going to flow down those deep chasms that have been cut or even the little chasms that have been cut. And so we have to pay attention to it. You don't stand in a stream and decide that you're going to ignore the flash flood that comes after a storm. It's going to wipe you out. So we need to pay attention to our emotions. But the way you refuse to replay those emotions is you redirect the water, right? (laughs) So how do you redirect the water in a stream? You build a dam. You build a dam. It has a strong structure. It's powerful enough. And believe me, water is annoyingly powerful. And it finds its way in every little crack. If you've ever worked on a car, you know it's annoyingly powerful. Water and pressure. And so you have to redirect the water with a dam. So here's how you build a dam. A dam is that decision to refuse to let those memories play and replace that. Well, first of all, okay. So you replace it with truth. But before you can even do that, here's what you need to do. And this is very Very important. You have to pray and ask God to help you. If the Bible's real and God's real, which I believe with my whole heart that he is and it is, and he's with us and he's helping us, we have to ask him for help in these moments or we will not be successful. 
And without that, this is just another self-help talk. You know, this is just a self-help talk on forgiveness. Without the supernatural component of the living God coming down and helping you with this. So he has to come in and help you. And so you stop and you ask for help when those emotions start replaying themselves. And then you build your dam by replacing it with truth. And, you know, I'm not going to give you, I have some examples here of little statements of truth you can make. And I'm not necessarily going to give those to you because they don't encompass. But I I do want to urge you, look in the scriptures, talk to people, think about your emotional reactions to wrongs done to you and come up with some truth statements that you can tell yourself in the minute of that in the moment of that those are like gems those truth statements the bible calls the scripture um, the sword of the spirit it's essentially you you swing the sword and you fight the enemy so saying one of those truths putting up that dam to redirect the emotional current of revisiting that wrong done to you is really important to do. Does that make sense? Do you need examples or am I clear? I know this isn't like a uh, two-way conversation here, but you could speak up if you really want. So total forgiveness is a lifelong commitment. This is also something that you have to understand. Uh, You need to practice it every day until you die. So if you're prepared to make a commitment to forgive today, And to forgive totally, then you're probably going to have to make that same commitment tomorrow on the same wrong that's done. And then you're going to have to make it next week, next month, next year. And it actually may be harder tomorrow or next month, next year than it was today when those emotions start stirring. Or when you, you know, whatever's going on in your life that compounds your emotional vulnerability. So what you have to do is you have to make a commitment and you just have to daily. And this kind of plays back more in the decisional But this helps the emotional. Um, Over time, though, I can... Over time, the pain will lessen and hopefully subside. Now, notice the word hopefully subside. There is a certain sacrifice that we all play. Life is messy. You know? The earth has been cursed. We are not perfect individuals. And you know, we have to just choose out of love for one another to make this emotional sacrifice that maybe we're going to carry this emotional burden with us the rest of our life. And we can still choose to forgive regardless of that. Does that make sense? All right. So the second key to experience emotional forgiveness is deal with anger before it does damage. Ephesians 4, 26-27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Basically, this means that you need to deal with anger quickly. And the Bible says to use the sun as like kind of an alarm clock for that. And again, I'm kind of broaching the line here in a little bit of interpretation, which I'm probably not qualified to do, you know, but what you need to be careful of, you know, this isn't necessarily saying like stay up all night until you're not angry. 
It just means it needs to become a habit that every day you deal with anger. You don't let it go. Because here's what happens if you let it go. It spills out to other things. So the other night, this is kind of a, not a very good example, but it's the most recent one I have. The other night I was working on this car. I've been working on this Nissan I have. And I've been working on it for three weeks. Some of you know this story. and been kind of walking through it with me. And, you know, my efforts failed miserably. And the car's dead. It needs a new motor. And I felt like I was doing surgery on a friend. Well, you know what? It wasn't that serious, okay? <laughs> I don't want to compare the life of a car to the life of a human. But I felt like I was doing surgery, and I'm a heart surgeon, and I'm in there, and it's somebody I don't know. I'll say that. And uh, <laughs> even then, I don't want to compare. So let's just not make a comparison, and let's just use the analogy. And... And it's like a 24-hour surgery, and I think I can save the life, and I don't, and I die. And I just need to call it. Call the time of death. And so I'm laying there on, the, on my dirt driveway, and I'm in utter despair, and I'm exhausted. And I've thought of all the money and the hours I've wasted now putting into this effort. And my wife came out, and I honestly don't even remember what she wanted, but she came out and she needed something from me. And I remember thinking, like, I am going to lash out at her right now. Like, I was so angry. And I was going to, that anger, I was primed and ready to go for whoever was in my sights. It didn't matter if they were bringing me a box of candy. They were probably going to get yelled at. But thankfully, by the grace of God, and unfortunately this doesn't always happen, and I'm sure it wasn't the calmest in the way I said this, but I said, honey, whatever it is, can it? Can you just deal with it without me tonight? I need to take a shower and shut the garage door and seal it up. And I haven't gone back in there since. And I need to just go to bed. (laughs) And she was gracious enough to give me that. But that anger can really spill in. So here's what you need to do. Checklist every day. You know, get up, brush your teeth, check. You know, go to work, check. Drop the kids off from school, check. Pick them up from school, check. Deal with anger, check. Every day, it will spill out. So that'll help you. That'll give you a good head start in dealing with your emotional component. If you don't deal with anger daily, you'll forget its source, and you can't resolve it. This is another reason why you need to deal with it. You just you'll forget where it came from, and you won't be able to resolve it. It'll just be something that's there, and by the grace of God, you'll get over it. But it's going to be a lot harder. So finally. You need to get wise counsel if you're stuck in replay mode. If you're playing those emotional memories over and over again, and you've tried all this, and you just can't, by the grace of God, get over this, you need to get some help. And you need to get wise counsel from a mature believer, someone who can help you process through those emotions, someone who can help provide this environment for you to express where you're really at and be able to pick it apart in a very loving environment. And this is why being connected to a body of Christ is so important. You can't do some stuff alone. Some stuff's not even enough between you and God. You know, if you, if you look at Scripture, it's been said that God's plan A for helping us is through people, through his church, through his congregation. Plan B is miracles. Good people can disagree on that. But that's something that I see. 
And so you have to be connected. And that's one of the reasons we have our small groups. They're on hiatus right now, a break for the summer, but they do start up again in the fall. So if you're new here and you've never been in one, I highly recommend you plug in and get to know one or two people. Start walking with them in life with God. There's no erase button for painful memories, but God wants to give grace, and we need to work through them. So if we respond to God and we work through in the right way, the painful memories actually become opportunities for God's grace to be shown, for him to be praised and glorified. And um, that's a good thing. And God, really, the only way that you're going to be able to do this is if you really have experienced his grace, like we talked about earlier. If you really have experienced his love. You know, we need to make a commitment to forgive, and that way we'll find the freedom to forgive and experience what God wants us to. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, we just um, thank you for your word. It's true. It's real. It's applicable for today. You've described your truth as a double-edged sword that cuts through the heart of man. And it does that, Lord. And so I appreciate this message series on love. It's illuminated my eyes to the definition of it, Lord. Lord, your command to love really shows that it's decisional and not emotional because how can you command us to feel a certain way? We can't command ourselves to feel a certain way, Lord. So help us to get our minds around that, Lord. That doesn't always make sense to us in our culture. Help us understand that, Lord. And Lord, I just really pray for people who have been deeply hurt, Lord. Some people hear this message, Lord, and I understand it, and they want to reject it, and I don't blame them for that, God. But, Lord, I believe it's still applicable for the most deeply hurt person, Lord. And it's true for them, so help them to see your grace in this and to begin to, to, to walk in this truth. And I just pray for relationships here, Lord. I pray that we can really be a church that forgives one another. That we can be removed these chains of sadness and anger and frustration and feeling left out and just all the different emotions that go with wrong done towards one another, God, because it's hard to stop doing wrong. I mean, we need to work on that end too, God, and you can help us with that. But Lord, we're going to mess up. We're going to wrong each other. So God, I appreciate this caveat of freedom that you still provide through forgiveness, God. And I appreciate how you've modeled it. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.